This episode, we're going to talk all about Lent, the season of Lent in the church calendar. Maybe you have zero idea of what Lent is or Ash Wednesday is. Maybe it seems like a bizarre ritual to follow. Maybe you're totally comfortable with it and absolutely looking forward to it. Wherever you are on the spectrum of that, or even on the spectrum of believing in God, not believing in God, I want to talk to you today about this beautiful season of returning home. Uh, This is for anyone who feels like they're lost. They're far from home. They've lost the plot. They're tired. They're weary. And they want to return to what's truest about God, what's truest about themselves. That's what the season of Lent is. So I want to talk about what it is. I want to talk about the seasons of the church calendar in general. I want to talk about your picture of God and then sort of how to move through Lent as a journey back home. I think this, is, this can be one of the most restorative, um, generous, even gentle seasons of the church calendar. And it's my hope that you will enjoy this season and that you'll allow it to be a season of even rest. Not trying hard to make sure you do your fast. Not white knuckling it. And um, so uh, I'm putting this out on Tuesday. It's f- as I'm recording this, it's Fat Tuesday, which is the day before Ash Wednesday. And you know, traditionally, it's the day, it's the, it's the final day before Lent. So you go crazy, whether you're going crazy or not um, on on this Fat Tuesday. I just wanted to put it out a day or two early so that you could be in the rhythm. You could think about it. You could uh, maybe make some decisions about how you're going to move through this season. So first, before you understand uh, the seasons of, or before you understand the season of Lent, I think it's helpful to understand the whole church year. So super quickly, in 30 seconds, the church year starts with Advent, usually the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And the season of Advent is a season of desire, anticipation, where you notice the darkness in the world and you are waiting for the coming of the light into the world. So Advent means arrival. And the season of Advent is a season of longing. It's a season to get in touch with what you are really waiting for. Then there's Christmastide, and that's 12 days of celebration, feasting, um, celebrating that the light has come in the person of Jesus. After that, we have Epiphany, uh, and that season starts on January 6th, and it ends on Ash Wednesday. So Epiphany sometimes is two or three weeks. Uh, This season, it's been seven or eight weeks. And that's the season where you, like the Magi, uh, search for the light of Christ in surprising places in the world. So good. And then Lent starts on Ash Wednesday, and it's a season where we notice our our limits, we notice our mortality, we repent of our sins, and we return home. We return to God with our whole hearts. 
Lent actually ends on Good Friday, and then there's this very short season called the Paschal Tritium. Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday. And uh, again, it's just some of the high holy days of the Christian year. Easter is about rejoicing in the resurrection that brings life out of death for all of us everywhere. And so it's this, it's this celebration, 49 days of, of remembering that tomorrow doesn't have to be a repeat of today. And then after Easter, uh, we have Pentecost, where we, where we receive the gift of the Spirit as God sends His Spirit into the world through the church. And then we go into a long season of ordinary time. That's usually like around June 1st all the way through Thanksgiving. So those are the seasons of the church calendar. I find them to be incredibly helpful in terms of remembering my place in the story of God, remembering the story of God. The great story of God is that we wait for, we long for light to come into darkness, and then we celebrate when it does, and then we look for how that light is spreading in the world, and then we recognize how how maybe we've lost the plot in Lent, and we've we have to return to God because we've wandered away. And then uh, in at Easter time, we realize even our returning to God isn't enough. We need resurrection. We need something to redeem and, and restore um, our lives. And then ordinary times when we just play it all out. So Lent uh, is this great season. And I want to make something super clear. Lent is not uh, a 40-day journey of self-improvement. Night has passed and the day lies open Lent is not the time where you go man you know I'm really I've gained 10 pounds over Christmas and so I'm gonna fast I'm gonna fast from sweets lies open before us. it's not a time to say okay I just gotta white knuckle it and get better It is a time to notice where you feel lost, where you feel lonely, where you feel homeless, and where you feel like things aren't as they should be, in part because the world is a little crazy and right now a lot crazy, and in part because there are some specific ways, if you're honest, that you have to wandered away. And I don't know how you think about sin. I don't know how, I don't know if you think about sin. I don't know if sin's a bad word for you or a good word. Uh, I want to invite you to think about sin in terms of just every human being is hungry. And sin is essentially gorging on things that don't satisfy. Gorging on things that maybe feel good in a moment, maybe feel satisfying for a moment, but when you're done with them, you realize that's not satisfying. And it's not primarily about recognizing how bad of a person you are. (laughs) You're a hungry person and you need to be satisfied. And every single one of us look to be satisfied by gorging on different things. Every single one of us. So Lent is a season of just recognizing, oh man, I gorged on that thing again, thinking it would satisfy me, believing it would it would last, but it didn't, and it doesn't. And it's just naming those things. So what would it be like in this Lent season to name some of the ways? I mean, even right now, like maybe pause. Pause the podcast, get out a piece of paper and just say, man, I, I really have gorged on actual food. I've gorged on food. 
this satisfied me. I've eaten past the point at which I feel hungry. Um, I eat too much of this thing and I, and it doesn't feel good afterwards. It feels bad actually. Or maybe you've uh, gorged on overwork. You've tried to get your importance too much by working. Um, you've scheduled too many trips. Uh, you've worked way too hard, way too long, and you've made it seem like it was a badge of honor, but it really isn't satisfying you. Um, maybe it's a certain relationship, uh, that is even a good relationship, but it's somehow turned sour. You're looking for it to do things that just, it it can't do. You're looking for it to give you things that it just can't give. Um, who knows what it is for you, but Lent is a time to just name some of those things. So maybe, maybe just press pause to get out a piece of paper and name some of the ways that you've gorged on things that aren't satisfying in order to get you satisfied. And then, so what Lent is, is naming those things. Let's call them sin, because why wouldn't we? I mean, what else are those things? But if you want to name it gorging, that's fine. If you want to name it misplaced hunger, that's fine. Misplaced desire, that's fine. It doesn't really matter what you name it. Just that you name the actual things that you have been trying to get satisfied by that aren't satisfying. And then it's a journey of returning home. So I'm going to read you this prayer. It comes from the Iona Community Worship Book. Worship book, And it's meant to be prayed as like a back and forth prayer. But I think it's beautiful. So here it is. Every day we go to war again. We assume we know so much more than them before we hear what they have to say. Because the world is beautiful and beauty is a tender thing and we are stewards of creation. We need you, God. We need you, God. Because human knowledge seems endless. And we do not know what we do not know. We need you, God. We need you, God. Because we cannot live without you and are free to go against you and could worship our wisdom alone. We need you, God. We need you, God. Because you came among us and sat beside us and healed our pain and let us wound you and loved us to the end and triumphed over all our hatred. We need you, God. We need you, God. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? It's from the Iona Community Worship Book. And if you think about that, there's a desperateness in that cry to God. But then if you also think about that, it relates to, I mean, what kind of God would you pray a prayer like that to? If your God is primarily vindictive, if your God is out to get you, if your God is out to make sure that you know exactly how bad of a person you are, and that you are willing and maybe your God wants to know how hard you're going to work in order to, you know, climb and claw your way back, you probably wouldn't pray a prayer like that. You know, it'd probably be like, man, God, the world is ugly 
Um, but I am trying to hold it up with my own two arms, you know, thanks be to God, (laughs) you know, because human knowledge, um, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, I think your picture of God is something you have to examine even right now at the beginning of Lent, right? So I think according to the scriptures, we can see, um, God as parent, God as brother, God as spirit. So, it's very clear in the scriptures that God is not a man. I mean, that's so clear, and, and it's just hilarious. Anytime I hear anyone get mad about that, like, well, of course God's a man. God created man first. Whatever. In this in the scriptures, it's so clear that in God's image, male and female were created. Genesis 126 and 127. And so within God must be all that's beautiful about femininity and all that's beautiful about masculinity. God is somehow not gender less, but gender full. God is all male and all female. So that means God isn't gender, again, God isn't gender less. So that means you can pray to God as a good father, best father you've ever known. Um, if you've had a bad father though, if you have a bad father experience just recently, I was preaching at a, at a place uh, just this last Sunday away from home. It was a different, different uh, church and someone said, I, I really want to connect with God, but I'm having a huge problem connecting to God as father. To that, I say, could you connect to God as mother? Because there's so many, so many passages in the scriptures where God is referred to as other than father. God is a strong tower. God is a mother hen. Um, God is a mighty fortress. Uh, there's just so many metaphors because the, the, we will never get a full picture of who God is. We will always have metaphors. So we have these different metaphors. God is rock. God is, you know, hen. God is um, river. God is strong tower. God is fortress. God is father. Pick the metaphor that works for you. Honestly, if you struggle with God as father, then don't think about God as father. Think about God as a good mother or God as a sanctuary that you can run to in order to be safe from your enemies. This great, beautiful building you can run into and slam the door. That's God. You run into God. Maybe it's a beautiful meadow where you it's expansive and free. Um, and then we have our good brother Jesus, right? And like if you have, if, if, if I don't know what you think about Jesus, but so many prayers across time, across traditions over the last couple thousand years, praise to prayer, praise to Jesus as our good brother. What would it mean for you to have a brother that loved you, knew you, protected you, but also launched you into scary things, that um, that stood up for you, that fought for you, uh, that laughed with you, that cried with you? Good brother Jesus. So maybe you want to, this Lent, pray to your good brother Jesus. Then, of course, there's the spirit. And spirit in the Hebrew is ruach, means breath, means wind means spirit. So maybe it's like, that's what you need. You need to pray to the spirit of God who upholds all things and, and, um, and speaks to you and acts as your counselor and your comforter, your advocate. And these are all biblical phrases that describe the spirit. Because I think it's, if you're going to enter Lent or any of the church seasons or anything religious with any kind of honesty, you have to get honest first about what your picture of God is. If it's vindictive or tribal, if it's a, if it's um, exclusive versus inclusive, then you're just going to have really a huge amount of problems. So 
I think it starts with picture of God. Remember, it's not a self-improvement plan, this journey of Lent. For anyone who feels like they've lost the plot, they're far from home, they want to go home to God. It's this journey in the wilderness where, yeah, you're, you're going to remove some of the comforts from yourself. You're going to remove, you're going to choose, which we'll get into next, you're going to choose to remove some of the things that you go to, some of these things that you gorge on, uh, so that you can, in the stark, cold wilderness, you can meet God. So it starts with honesty. Psalm 51.6, this just amazing psalm that David wrote after he really, really massively screwed up. He had this, this uh, he fell in lust actually with this woman named Bathsheba and so he wanted her. So he he sent for her and he had her. And then, uh, but she was married and so he had her husband murdered. And then he took her as a wife. I mean, and but he realized uh, how, how he had sinned. So Psalm 51.6 says, You God, you desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. You desire truth. You desire honesty. You desire that which says what is, is in the inward being, in my innermost soul. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. So these are the questions that might help. Where in my life have I gotten away from God and how will I find my way back? I mean, are there some secret addictions that I've been that have been growing, but I haven't been honest about. I haven't talked to anyone about. I know that they're there, but I don't know what to do about them. And instead of judging that part of you, instead of saying, oh, I'm such a terrible person because I have these secret addictions, what if you could be honest in your secret heart with God? Just bring the truth. God desires truth, so bring the truth to God. Here's this secret addiction. Here's this pattern of dishonesty. Here's this unresolved conflict. I'm way too busy. I'm overly critical. Whatever it is. You just name it. Name it with God. If you want to write it down, you know, if you work through a rosary, um, however you do prayer, maybe it's on your way to work, maybe it's on a run, what would it be like to name the truth in your inward being? Not with anyone else yet, just with God. Name the truth. Uh, are there some secret addictions? Or is there a pattern of, of dishonesty? Is there unresolved conflict? Am I too busy? Am I overly critical? And then just Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy. I don't even know how I'm going to stop doing those things yet. I'm not even worried about that yet. I'm just going to name those things because they're true. I struggle with this. I gorge on this. I look to this to get satisfied. And at the end of the day, I'm going to, I'm going to name out loud that it's not satisfying me. To Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy. For those of you going to an Ash Wednesday service tomorrow, Ashes in the Old Testament, covered the, they, they cover themselves with ashes as an outward sign of an inward repentance and mourning where you say, I've named some truth with God and I actually feel like sad about those things. I feel sad about where things are going, what things are doing, um, how, how I'm doing, and I want to return. Search me, oh God. Help me face the sin patterns in my life and then forgive me. And then we're met with forgiveness. Psalm 51, 1 and 2, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. So again, if you're, if the picture of your God is vindictive, if it's you got to work real hard, you got to do a lot of penance, you got to scratch and claw your way back to God, then you're, I mean, forgiveness doesn't mean much to you because you've worked hard to earn it. But the picture of God that we see in the scriptures are amazing. 
because when you cry out to God for mercy, you get mercy. When you cry out to God for forgiveness, you get forgiveness. When you ask God to wash you thoroughly from your iniquity, your sin, your gorging on things that don't satisfy, you get cleansed from your sin no matter what. There's no prerequisite for that. Um, you don't have to wash yourself first in order to get washed by God. It's not like you know, your cleaners are coming over and you think you have to clean the house before the cleaners get here. It, it, is, it is the radical gift of grace through Jesus, through God's love and grace and mercy, that you are forgiven when you ask for forgiveness. So Lent is a time to remember that you don't have to work hard to earn it. God is a loving mother, a loving father, a good brother, a spirit that really will wash you of your sin. So it starts with honesty, and then you're met with forgiveness. But then there's, there's the journey of actually getting released from these attachments to these things that you have gorged on in order to get satisfied. Because all of a sudden, those addictions, those attachments, they're still there. They haven't magically disappeared just because you've asked for forgiveness. You are washed clean, but all of a sudden, you realize that those longings, those pangs, they're still there. So you have 40 days to walk through some practices. So there's some practices of abstaining, and there's some practices of generosity. So I think you might want to choose the thing that's a regular part of your life that you've been gorging on and just decide, man, I don't want to gorge on that anymore. There's so many things it could be. It might be social media. It might be overworking. It might be a certain kind of food. It might be food in general. It might be sweets. It might be alcohol. It might be some kind of drug. It might be um, approval. I don't know what it is, but sit with God. After you've kind of named, you've, you've done that first step of naming the truth in your inward being of what really is true, um, then you would choose to abstain from certain things. Again, alcohol, social media, TV, movies, internet, screens at home, overworking, not taking a day off, shopping, whatever it is. You would choose to say, I'm going to stop that. Or you know, it might be like, I'm gonna I'm gonna remove Facebook from my phone. Um, I'm not gonna eat chocolate or any kind of sweets during these 40 days. Um, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna give up coffee. I, who knows what it is? And then um, when you choose what it is, you, it starts on Ash Wednesday, and then you choose a time um, of your of of your day that you're gonna return to your life in God. Maybe there's a prayer. Maybe you pray that prayer that I gave to you in the Iona Community Worship book. You just write it down based on, um, based on, um, you know, kind of rewind the podcast and then write it down. Maybe it's that prayer. If you do the rosary, maybe you pray through the rosary. If you read a little scripture um, every day, you read through the Psalms, read through the Proverbs, read through the Gospels, read through the, maybe you read the, the wilderness account in Luke 4 of Jesus. Um talking with someone else about your experience of um, what you're gorging on and what now you're going to start to feast on. There's confession that's helpful. Like, that's what I said, just name what's true in your inmost part and receive forgiveness. Maybe you want to do that with someone else. Maybe you do at night a daily examine. Where was I partnering with God today and where was I on my own? Where was I gorging on things that don't fulfill me and where was I um, trying to get satisfied from God? So there's this abstaining. And then there's returning. And then there's this practice of being generous or almsgiving is what it was referred to. 
Hey, this for everybody I was afraid to look in they face. The only fault was the light and it was too bright. Come on. When I look into the face of my enemy, I see my brother. I see yeah. my So there might be something that like every Friday you donate to a refugee organization or you donate your time um, to a little kid or, you know, you spend some time with someone in a hospital or um, someone that's sick. I guess I just needed to understand myself much better. Huh. Fight the right fight. Yeah. Get that vision much clearer. And the things I can't stand in me, they keep landing me in predicaments that would make me be a hypocrite if I was to stand in judgment. Stand in judgment. Yeah. I know our melanin it might vary yeah. The various gradients This great planet of ours carry huh. And it's such a wonderful picture yeah. It's not self-referential Because I think that's the danger In Lent, everything can, everything can feel self-referential It's all about me It's all about my sins It's all about my returning It's all about my forgiveness And it can feel very um, overly introspective I think some introspection is really good and positive But sometimes it can get really overdone and it feels like, and it, that's when it starts to feel like it's self-improvement plan. So I think, I think it's important to start to name um, when you're getting a little too far, and to have a regular practice of almsgiving, of um, picking a charity to give some money to, picking a volunteer place where you're going to volunteer every week for the 40 days of Lent. Maybe it's uh, a mentoring program. Maybe it's a soup kitchen. Maybe it's your church or or synagogue or mosque. Uh, wherever it is, uh, I think it's important. So, gang, that is the season of Lent. Um, and I love the verse in Joel chapter 2, verses 12 through 13 in the scriptures, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew scriptures. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And God relents from sending us calamity. And that's just good, right? That's a picture of God that's good. So gang, uh, may you experience Lent as a return home. Maybe you, may, may you experience it as restful. May you not experience it as a self-improvement plan or white-knuckling it through your fasting. May you experience it as a graceful time of returning home to a God that loves you, a God that desires to give you what you need and satisfy your every longing, and a God that really desires to make the world right again, to restore what's broken in the world. Uh, and the season of Lent reminds us that all is not as it should be in the world, and that includes me. And so there is a returning that is required. Right? That's so good. All right, gang, we are dust and we are breath. We are limited. We are limitless. We are human and holy. We're in it together. I want to let you know that the music today was brought to you by permission by a band called The Brilliance. I love The Brilliance. This new record, All's Not Lost, is so, so good. So I'll put a link to that on the show notes where you can get that. The Brilliance, and they're amazing. And grace and peace, my friends. We will see you next time. Peace. Hey everybody, I'm Steve Weens, and this is my podcast where I explore humanity, spirituality, and mystery one word at a time. For more about my work, my writing, my preaching, my books, and all that good stuff, head on over to steveweens.com.